Thank you, Jesus. Let's give him a hand clap of praise. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Hallelujah. Wow. Good morning. Good to see y'all. Good to see y'all. Hey, you know, um, if you didn't get a chance to this morning, next Sunday, let's let's come in here and let's give them a praise. You know, let's don't worry about who's watching. Don't worry about who's who's looking. Or it doesn't matter, man. It really doesn't. Your freedom matters. Your joy and your peace matters. Your victory matters. And I'm I'm sorry, you know, I've I've been walking with the Lord for 11 years and. I've never been the one to allow anyone to dictate my praise. And um, even the music, if, if, you're, if you're a genius out there, if you're great at music, sometimes that can hold you back from your breakthrough. You know, if you know a chord's off or something, but um, you got you to gotta press in, you got to press in and uh, just engage the Lord because he wants to meet you right where you are. And so the reason we lift our hands in, in Israel, uh, during Jesus' time, and Moses and David, when they lift their hands, they, they were telling God, hey, we agree with what you're about to do in our lives. And so that's, that's the way God reads that. So, you know, during worship, if your hands are here, it's like I hear you, but I'm a motion-sensitive God. I move, I move when you move. I move when you take steps of faith. I move when, when you don't care who's watching you. That's, that's when I move. I move when, when you don't care how much money you got or how much money you don't have. If you move and if you just worship me and exalt me and praise me, I'm going to move throughout your week. Don't allow anyone or any circumstance to dictate your praise. And then you do that in here so that you can take it out into your Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And when life is tough, you're just in your car and you're like, I don't know what's going on, but you're going to do something. Let's give Jesus a praise. <laughs> Hallelujah. And, uh, and let's pray. Father, we love you. We give you glory. We give you honor. You're such a good God. You're so faithful. And uh, God, I pray that you would bless this morning, that you would heal, that you would do a mighty work, that you would speak. God, our hearts are open and our ears are listening. So God, I thank you for every brother and sister in here today. And for those that don't know you, God, I pray a special blessing in their lives. Jesus, I pray for your mercy and your grace and your favor. For your word declares that it rains on the just and the unjust. So God, we pray for your blessing. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all ready for a new series? Good, 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 good. I'm excited. Um, And welcome back. Um, If you were here for us for the first time during Easter, um, we're so excited to have you. Thank you for joining joining us. Let's give it to our first time and second time guests. Let's show them love. Give it up for them. I got to get my table in order here. Sorry, because I haven't been using my iPad for the past two weeks because it hasn't been charging well. 
So, all right, here we go. One hit wonder. <laughs> it's going to be a great series. You know, we just, oh, thank you, Mike. Thank you. God is good. God is good. All right, so how many people know the song that was just playing there in the background? Cool. My man went up fast. Yeah, I see you. I see you. All right. Um, do you know the artist that sings that song? Ah, see? That, bring, that, brings, that brings a point to the, to the reason we're doing the series. Do you know the artist of the song? All right, do you know the, the movie? Rocky, all right, you know the movie, you know the movie. But the fact that you don't know the artist, this is going to be a good series. Because there are so many characters in the Bible that are not household names. But, man, they did phenomenal things. Like, they, they, they don't get a page, they don't get a chapter, they may get three or four verses. But what they did and their faith was very impressive to God. And he moved and he honored it. And so, um, you know, a one-hit wonder is an individual that achieves mainstream popularity and success for a short period of time um, for only one piece of work. So much like uh, Eye of the Tiger, the group is, their, their name is Survivor. Anyone remember Survivor? Okay. <laughs> one. That's great, Terry. That's awesome. <laughs> awesome, man. Yeah. Yeah, Survivor. They were back in the 80s, so I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't imagine you would. I wasn't born until 87, so I just figured it out the other day um, looking them up. Um, but, yeah, this, this series is about how one moment of faith can create monumental outcome. One moment of great faith can create monumental outcome in your life, and I'm excited about it. I want to bring a message to you entitled Fight or Die. Fight or Die. Is that good? All right. And I have one verse. You ready? All right. Here we are. Second Samuel 23, verse 20. If you don't have Bibles, don't worry about it. We have three big Bibles up here with me. All right. Second Samuel 23, verse 20. There was also Benaiah. Someone say Benaiah. Son of Jehoiada, a valiant warrior from Kabzil. He did many heroic deeds, which included killing two champions of Moab. Another time on a snowy day, someone say snowy day. He chased a lion down into a pit and killed it. That's it. That's, that's his claim to fame. He's the son of Jehoiada. His name is Benaiah. Someone say Benaiah. It's going to be important here in about three hours when I'm done. And, um, or an hour per superhero. One, two, three, four hours when I'm done. And he's from Kabzil. And he killed two champions of Moab. We're going to explain that later. Because it has a lot to do with the lion. And then it says on a snowy day. Someone say snowy day. On a snowy day. I was hoping it snowed yesterday or today so this could make sense. But, you know, they said it would snow, but it didn't snow, so we're here. And th- this, this is his claim to fame. He chased a lion down 
into a pit and killed it. Crazy. The Bible doesn't say he has any weapons. He chased a lion into a pit. And killed it. I've been like, Lord, thank you for your blessing. I'm going to keep it moving. But he had the wherewithal to go down there. Benaiah, Benaiah, Benaiah. Let me give you a little backdrop on him. He's a contemporary of King David, Israel's second greatest king, if you're taking notes, it'll help you out today. Um, Today is very practical. I mean, we got two verses today, so just hang with me. You're going to have to listen, take notes, and, and hang in there with me. I don't have any anchor scriptures. I'm doing this thing. So it's God, it's anointed, and I just believe it's for you. I mean, the title is Fight or Die. Doesn't that excite you? Fight or Die, right? And so he's a contemporary of King, King David. He is one of David's 30 mighty men. This is a special force of fighters, David's top 30 fighters. Now, if you read the Bible, there were actually 37 of them. He wasn't a part of the general 30. The Bible says he was more honored than the 30. And so David elevated him to captain of his bodyguards. So much like the president has a secret service, David had a secret service. And the head of the secret service was Benaiah. And so um, it's funny, you know, the scripture says that he was valiant. And he did heroic deeds. Understanding that the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. This word valiant here is interesting. We got to. We've got to look at this word because it really shows us who Benaiah was, um, the, the, the primary trait of who he was and how he lived and how he operated. He was valiant, and that can be defined as um, some, someone who has great physical and mental strength. So when we're dealing with the Hebrew language, the Hebrew language concentrates on function and action. Function and action. It's not merely just a description about Benaiah, but it tells us how Benaiah operated 24-7. He was valiant. Great mental strength. Great physical strength. And he did heroic deeds. This means that Benaiah, uh, he always approached things with an overarching um, a, a approach of excellence. E- even the little things he did, he did them in excellence. I'd imagine Benaiah being a superhero here at Highlight Church and, and walking around the church and, and making sure the courts are, are, are perfect and uh, uh, making sure that, you know, if there's a gum wrap, he'd pick it up and he'd put it in his pocket and, and making sure pastor's water is filled up and not half drunk by his uh, wife because um, I needed that when I needed to preach. And I don't, like I said, I only got two anchor verses, so I might get thirsty because I'm nervous. I don't, you know, I got to remember my notes. And so I'd, he, he makes sure that, you know, this TV is perfectly angled and, and that the two spaces, the space between the speaker and this TV is the same between the space between this speaker and this TV. He makes sure that the pipe and drape is excellent and everything, everything. He'd go to work, and he'd show up 10 minutes before and, and leave 10 minutes after. He's the first one in and, and the last one out. He was valiant. Great mental and physical strength. And the word there in the Hebrew actually means a bird in flight. So, so everything Benaiah did, he soared. 
get, getting by wasn't enough for him. Get, getting, getting a C, oh, Lord, I passed it. At least I passed That wasn't enough for him. I'd imagine if he knew, you know, it was finals time, and, and, and he had to make a 100 on his final exam because it was the difference between a B and an A, I'd imagine he'd pull a few all-nighters. That's the kind of person he was. He, he always soared. He was far above the rest. And when you're excellent, you become a commodity in society because there are far too many people operating in mediocrity. And that word mediocrity means, it doesn't mean average, because it's okay to be average. It's okay to be normal. But the word mediocrity, if you break it down, it means halfway up a mountain. He wasn't okay with not conquering his mountains. He soared. Do we have some, I don't even know if this is a word. Do we have some sores in the room today? Come on now, I see a few. Do we have some sores? Some sores? I don't know. It'll work out. But, you know, sores, right? Is it sores? 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 But, but, but why? 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 Because anyone, anyone that you, you see, anyone that's accomplished uh, great things, uh, I mean, we, we don't come out like, doing heroic deeds like we come out pooping and needing our diapers changed and needing to be fed like we, we don't come out like yeah, give me a cape and just doing great things right we there's a why behind someone's greatness all the time why 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 is he great we said that he was a contemporary of of David let's 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 dig in with David David is actually if Jesus was not in the Bible, which is, which is impossible because Jesus is the Bible, he is the word of God, and he's revealed in all 66 books, I want to tell you something here. The Old Testament is Jesus concealed. So you see shadows in the Old Testament about Jesus. So when the children of Israel, I really need my learners today. When, when the children of Israel were being delivered out of Egypt and they had to pass through the Red Sea, that was a shadow of baptism. Egypt means sin. When you're baptized, it's a, baptism is a symbol. So when you give your heart to Jesus, you're saved. You don't need water baptism to go to heaven. Water baptism is a symbol that you've made Jesus your Lord and Savior, and you're, you're integrating yourself into a local church, into the global body of Christ. But um, when you get baptized, you go down into the water, which represents the grave, and you raise up to new life in Jesus Christ. So in order for the children of Israel to really leave Egypt, they had to go through the water. That was a shadow of baptism. That was a shadow of, of last Sunday, Jesus going into the grave, and he resurrecting to life onto heaven. Jesus said in John 10.10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I come that they may have life and life to the full. There's another shadow in the Old Testament. So right before they leave Egypt, Moses calls the children of Israel to kill a, a perfect lamb and to take the blood and put it across the doorpost. Because Pharaoh wasn't going to let them go, he was going to send the death angel. God sent the death angel. What did the death angel do? The death angel saw the blood. 
and wherever he saw the blood, he would pass through. The Egyptians did not have the blood. So therefore, their oldest sons died. Jesus was a shadow of the oldest son. Anyone who puts their life in Christ is a, um, we, are, we are brothers and sisters of Christ. We are heirs of God because of Jesus. Jesus is the firstborn of many who shall resurrect from the dead. With all that being said, Jesus was the lamb. Jesus' blood was shed on the cross. And anyone that receives Jesus by faith, when God sees us, he doesn't see our sin, Egypt. He sees Jesus. So the death angel, when judgment comes, is going to pass us. Old Testament, Jesus concealed. New Testament, Jesus revealed. Because Jesus fulfills the law which is found in your Old Testament, and the prophets. Why? So King David, King David is, uh, all right, so God calls King David, and he anoints him. I promise you, I got five points. So I got I to get through the teaching. The five points are quick. Y'all know I usually do three points for 40 minutes, but I got five points. Bam, 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 we're out of here. So I got to give you this. So, so King David um, was anointed by God. He was going to be the second king of Israel. And uh, the people chose King Saul, their first king. The Bible says that Saul stood uh, shoulder and head above all men in Israel. So when, when the people wanted a king, they chose someone that they saw, someone that looked the part. Oh, man, he looks great. He's our king. He, he looks great. And God told the people through the prophet Samuel, he said, all right, you, you can choose them, but he's not going to be the, the guy. He's not going to be the guy that you think he is. And so you have King David, who's a teenager. He, he's a shepherd of sheep. And the Bible says that I've chosen, God says, I've chosen a man after my own heart. And he was a teenager. And not just that, he was the youngest of seven of Jesse's boys. And so um, David dealt with rejection and being forgotten about. Because when Samuel came to anoint David, that word just simply means chosen and set apart for God's purpose. And when you're anointed, you can't lose. So... When, when, when Samuel went to anoint David, Jesse didn't even invite him to the party. He brought the oldest six sons, and Samuel's like, the first one, he's like, oh, that's him. God's like, no, because man judges on the outside, I look at the heart. He said, oh, that's him. Mm-mm, not him. And so we went through all six sons, and Samuel's like, none of these None of these. Through God, God said, none of these. That's ridiculous how he calls something that he created a person. None of these. (laughs) He said, none of these. And so Samuel's like, Jesse, do you have anyone else? And Jesse didn't even have the audacity to call him by name. He called Eliab by name. He called the other sons by name. But he said, yeah, there's the youngest one. He's out in the field with the sheep. Bring him. We're not going to sit down until he arrives. David comes in. The Bible says he's handsome. And he steps into the place. He smells like sheep from his nine to five, from his day job, serving faithfully, day by day, doing excellent, kind of like his friend Benaiah is about excellent day to day. Uh, not, oh, Lord, give me a new job, and I quit, and this supervisor, and I hate life, and I need a vacation. No, doing excellent, having the right heart. Here comes the oil. He anoints him from the head to the soles of his feet. The the oil represents the spirit of God. 
So before Jesus comes, here's some more theology. Before Jesus comes, the Spirit of God came upon people. After Jesus, when you receive him by faith, the Spirit of God lives in your heart. That's why you can't lose. Only by choice. Fight or win, fight or die. And so he's anointed, and then he, he, he fights Goliath. We all know that. If you've never been to church, you've heard of David and Goliath. That's all good. It's a great story. He fights Goliath, um, and, and he kills him with one stone. <laughs> we got to teach about that one day, gifts and all that stuff. <laughs> all you need is one good gift. You got to work it. I, I can't. That's not the message today, though. <laughs> Bam! Because he couldn't fight Goliath close because Goliath was an expert in hand-to-hand combat. So David had to fight him with what he was good at. And this is all he was good at. <laughs> Boo. And so he took Goliath's sword and he cut Goliath's head off. You come before I know. You come back with the head of my enemy. You come me, my destiny. Oh. And all I do is pray. Hallelujah. You have saved me. I'm going to take your job, babe. But the song is biblical. Come back with the head of my enemy. And he shows Saul. And Saul's like, wow, so now you can marry my daughter and your taxes are going to be free. But Saul becomes jealous. And he says, well, actually, you can't have my daughter. And so he becomes an intern. He serves under Saul. Saul catches knowledge that God has left him because Saul is in an unrepentant state. He disobeys God. He won't turn to God. He won't serve God. And he's frustrated. He's frustrated because he won't serve God. Sometimes serving and taking that next step in your church is the answer. He's frustrated because he won't serve God. God removes his spirit, his spirits with David. And so the Bible says that he becomes depressed and oppressed and borderline possessed. David knows how to play uh, the modern day of the guitarist called the liar. And he comes in and he does his thing. He's anointed and demons flee from Saul. Saul has peace momentarily, and he has to do it again, and David comes in and play. He's serving his leader, and demons flee from Saul. It's like, but Saul can't get over the fact that there's a young man who's about to take his spot, and so on multiple occasions, he attempts to kill David while David is interning in the palace, and eventually David's like, I gotta Get out of here. This dude's bonkers. And so he leaves. And he's running and he's running. And if you read First Samuel, it will, like I said, if Jesus wasn't in the Bible, David would be my favorite person because David's just like everyone in this room. But it shows us, man, that when you love God and when you're just normal and when you're not weird with it, man, God can do great things. You don't got to be weird and love Jesus. You know that, right? A lot of spiritually deep people. Just love God and serve so it can raise you up. And so he's running for years, and there's a death sentence on his head. Cave to cave, and this is where Benaiah kicks in at. Catch me in 1 Samuel 22, 1 through 2. It says here, it says, so David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. Soon his brothers and all other relatives joined him there. Verse 2. Then others began coming. Men who were in trouble or in debt 
or who were just discontented until David was the captain of about 400 men. So what happened is, is that the king is unstable. And the Bible says you strike the shepherd, you, sh- you, you, you scatter the sheep. And so we have Benaiah who is either in trouble, in debt, or just discontented. He's not satisfied with the quality of his life, or he's an outlaw and he owes a lot of people money, and there's already a death sentence on his head, or he's in trouble. He's just distressed. At any rate, he's not okay with where he is. And going with Saul is not an option because that boat is about to sink. So I got to go with the new guy who has no money, He has no resource. Obviously, he has no support, but I'm with him. He has no protection, and as I look around, I guess I'm the protection. And we're just a bunch of hooligans, ragtag, people that love God. We've made some mistakes. We're imperfect. We've went through some tough times. We don't wear a suit and a tie, but we love God. I'm with the new guy. I'm with the new church. I'm with the portable church. I'm with the set up and tear down team. Hey, I'm just, let's do this thing. I know we're outnumbered by like 40 million. But I tell you what, death is not an option. There's a death sentence. He's connected to David. Same thing with Jesus. Also in the Old Testament, there are typifications is what we call them. Joshua was a type of Jesus. As a matter of fact, his name is Yeshua. He was a type of Jesus. And uh, uh, David was a type of Jesus. Jesus came and he said, I am the great shepherd. David was a shepherd. But these men showed the character, the strength, and the power of Jesus even in the Old Testament. So, so they band together, and the only option is, is, is fight or die. You, you do understand that. This is what I believe. I believe that many people, years before they take their last breath, they die. Okay, all right, I'm going to say that again. Yes. I believe many people, years before they take their last breath, they die. Thank you. Last time with you. I believe many people, years before they take their last breath, they die. Because a lot of times, to in, in our context, we, we call it living, but we're just existing. We're just paying the bills. We're just frustrated by the end of the week. We can't wait on the next vacation or the next long weekend. And and to live in a place like that means that you are just existing. But but God wants to give you a purpose. And and, and he wants to show you forth. He he wants to show you a destiny Um, in, in the sense that when you wake up, you don't feel as though you're working a job that you don't want to be at. But because you've stepped into your purpose, every day is a vacation. 
every day is, is you're, you're soaring like a bird. You, you're free as a bird. And not only are you free, but God is using you to change the lives of others in your city and beyond. That's the purpose that God wants to give you. And a lot of us die way before we take our last breath. And for Benaiah, it was not an option to stay in trouble. It wasn't an option to stay in debt. It wasn't an option to just say, well, this is my life. This is how it's always going to be. This is who I'm going to be. It's not an option because for him, that meant death. So it was fight or die. And, 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 And God wants you to fight because there's greater in store. There are more people. There are greater connections. There are more places you have to go. There are more lives you have to change. There's a purpose on the inside of you. A lot of you, you're doctors in this place. You're entrepreneurs in here. You're owners. You're future millionaires. Some of you are future billionaires. There's somewhere to go. One day you're going to finance the kingdom with that stuff. Because you're going to remember that we started in a cave and it was a, a little ragtag preacher that encouraged you to go ahead and do something. But you're going to finance the kingdom one day because there are lives to change. And a lot of us die. We die just existing. And, and what I'm tired of is this. I'm tired of us just being okay with paying our bills. You're just existing. You got to fight. And, and, and for, for me personally, okay, I got a good time. For me personally, um, a lot of y'all know, uh, and, you know, part of my story, but, um, you know, the baby on my dad's side of 24 kids, the baby on my mom's side of two, um, and raised uh, in Richmond Heights, Orlando, Florida. You know, like, yay, Richmond Heights. Yeah, y'all don't know nothing about. Or I can say a word like this: Carver Shores. Shores always heights and shores always ring a bell. That's that's the hood. What they do? What they do you more good? I should have said mo. You see how the appropriateness kicked in? I, I said the R. Where they do you mo good? Mo good. You feel me? But let me tell you something. Going back isn't an option. And I don't care if you started out good. There's always greater. There's always better. There's always more in store. So what I want to do, God wants you to fight or die. What I want to do is I want to give you five uh, quick points of encouragement. Hopefully I can uh, fit them in there. Um, This is not typical uh, sermonic structure for me, but hopefully I behave. All right, so number one, take control from the circumstance. If you're going to fight, if you're going to win, if it's going to be a monumental outcome, you have to take control from the circumstance. Not of. You can't take control of, but you can take it from. The Bible says on a snowy day. In in the Hebrew, this means snowy day. So uh, if if he was a, a man of weak mentality, uh, Benaiah would have seen the snow as a time of decay. The snow is only mentioned in the physical two times, and this is one in the Bible. 
All the other times they're, they're describing something. My sin was red as crimson, but your blood washed it away like as white as snow. That's a description. But Benaiah is actually within snow, and he would have seen it as, man, the, the environment is an environment conducive to my death. Uh, all right, I'm going to talk to the 10 that get this. It's an environment conducive to my death. So not only is it snowing, but there's a lion. Not good. Not good. Um, she was born in Mississippi in 1954 um, to a single teenage mother. And um, as a little girl, up until the age of seven, her grandmother raised her. And her grandmother forced her to stand in front of the church and read her Bible to people, uh, to the congregation. And this this birth within her, she con- um, she conceived a desire for uh, for for broadcasting while she was in the church as a little girl. Uh, the grandma thing didn't work out for too long, so she moved in with her uncle and her relatives. And from the age of seven to thirteen years old, she was physically and sexually abused by her relatives. Um, by 14, uh, she lost her premature baby um, at the age of 14. And so she ran away because she was in dire straits and life just wasn't turning out right. She ran away to live with her father. She found her father, who was a very strict man, and he required of her to turn in one book report uh, every week. And this further fed into her desire to become a broadcaster and a reporter. And today, Oprah Winfrey is worth $2.8 billion. $2.8 billion. And, and, and we look at all those things, sexual abuse, molestation, rape, um, teenage mother, small town in Mississippi. I forgot the name of it. I wanted to say it to be impressive, but I forgot it. It's so difficult to pronounce. Small town in Mississippi, $2.8 billion. What did she do throughout the course of her life? She took control from circumstance. She, she couldn't change the fact that, that her uncle wanted to have his way with her. She couldn't change the fact that she was born to a teenage mother. She couldn't change that. We, we can't change a lot of things that are going on in our nation and in our world. But we can take control from the circumstance. And how do you do this? You do this by controlling how you respond to a circumstance. I can't control what's happening, but I can control how I respond. Am I talking to someone today? I I, I can respond in fear, and it leads to death. I can respond in doubt, and it leads to stagnation. I, I can respond complaining, and it will only become heavier. I can respond in faith, and I see progress. I can respond with community, and I get strength. I can can respond with confession and vulnerability, and I receive healing. It's your response that determines the result. So number one, take control from circumstance. Number two, easy is often the enemy. Easy is often the enemy. During World War I, this individual was a corporal in the German army. On September 28, 1918, while a part of the 16th Bavarian uh, Reserve Regiment, 
he was wounded in battle, and he attempted to flee the battlefield. British Private Henry Tandy spotted this German soldier and actually had him in his sights, but he didn't shoot. This soldier was wounded, and Tandy just couldn't bring himself to shoot an unarmed, wounded man. He didn't find out until about 20 years later when Adolf Hitler was in full-fledged monster mode that he had given up the chance to kill the man due to battlefield ethics. Though wrecked with guilt for the rest of his life, there was no way for Tandy to know at the time who Adolf Hitler would become. We, we could have preserved over 8 million Jewish brothers and sisters and billions of dollars during World War II. We just shot him. The, the deal with Benaiah is this. Ooh, I love him. He had strong, you got to get strong mental. You got to get strong. You got to get strong. This was not an option. For this lion to just because we don't know what we the Bible doesn't tell us like all we can see is is I'm Benaiah and there's the lion and 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 Benaiah's like all right I'm gonna I'm go you're gonna go I'm gonna go you're gonna go and this lion takes a step and he falls into a pit and the easy answer would have been peace out that would have been me anybody else praise God the only problem is this I believe that Benaiah would have had to face this lion anyway in the future. You're going to have to face it anyway in the future. And easy is often the enemy, much like, much like Hitler. Tandy killed himself his entire life because he didn't kill that monster when he was wounded. But I love Benaiah, man. Benaiah jumped down in that pit. And, and, and at that point, it wasn't an option. What if we became a people where it's not an option? The easy road isn't an option. What if we developed that mindset and it became a habit and it became who we were and it became what we do that if it's easy, I'm not going in that direction. If it's hard, I'm heading in your direction. If breaking this addiction is hard, I'm coming for you. If breaking poverty out of my life is hard, I'm coming for you. If getting free is hard, I'm coming for you. I won't let you live any longer. I don't care if you're in a pit. I'm going after you. I'm going after you. There's too much to live for. Easy is often the enemy. I mean, I mean, if it's too hard, it's not God. I mean, if, I'm sorry, if it's too easy, it's not God. If it's too easy, it's not God. Any process, that, that, that anything that God brings you to, and it's, and it's victorious, and it's triumphant, is always going to be preceded by a fight. The marriage you want, the purity that you're attempting to live in, it's going to be a fight. It wasn't easy to be abstinent for seven years. It was a fight. Let me, let me go here. No, I won't. I won't. I won't. I won't. I won't. So which leads me to point number three. 
Make hard a habit. Make hard a habit. This is what we see in Brother Benaiah. He made hard a habit. Um, I, I remember when we, when we stepped out of, out of our old church, you know, this church was over 3,000 people, four different locations, and honestly, had we, had we just stayed, we, we'd be real good, real good. But God, God put something in my heart, and at the, at the time, it was, it was a seed form. It was seed form. Um, but within that seed, you know, seed doesn't look like the tree. This is what I'm trying to say. Um, and that's a spiritual principle. Jesus often taught farming because of the time that they lived in. But they could see, man, this is how, the, this is how, God, this is how God works. See, see, God works small first. Zechariah 4.10, don't despise the day of small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see them start. Right. That, that's that's the character of God. It's small first and then and then it grows. And so we stepped out in February of 2015, resigned there. They blessed us. They sent us off. And so here we go. My wife and I and, and we issue out a pitch to everyone that that said in times past, hey, whenever you're ready to go, we're going to join you to start this church. And uh, a lot of, you know, uh, out of the seven people that we asked, six said no. And. The third one was Chris, our creative director. Thank God for him. And so that was hard. That was hard. You, you, put, you put hundreds in, in my heart, you, you, thousands one day. Yeah, we're going to give millions of dollars to outreach. We're going to reach a city. People are going to be changed, and this church is going to be vibrant, and all that stuff. And uh, Three? That was hard. <laughs> that was hard. And so we kept on, we kept on, and, and, and we did life with people, and we took them out to lunch and dinner, and we shared the vision and all that. And within a nine-month span, God brought six, six more people that we all had known for less than a year and a half, except one, which was Megan, uh, my, my wife's cousin. We had all known them for less than a year and a half. That was great. So, yes, we got, we got nine. But bringing these strangers together who didn't know one another, that was hard. That, that was hard. All right, so we're about to move. Got to stop in North Carolina in a conference to train us so I can show them what this thing could be, what it could look like, what we could do as a church. All right, so it's nine of us. I got I to gotta expose them to something bigger. So I took them to a great church in North Carolina. They saw it, bam. We came here to Maryland, and, and it got real, real. And so then we went back home to Florida. God brought someone from New York. He brought someone from Williston, North Dakota, and Florida, and we converged here in Montgomery County, okay? We got here, nine of us, two kids. First interest meeting, June 25th, 2016, not even two years ago. Wow, we were on the news the other day. And so, oh, no, 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 because it's still hard. Don't clap for that. It's still hard. So um, 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 make hard a habit. Make hard a habit. Five people show up to the first interest meeting. Activity Center, Boar Park, Frederick, five people show up. Yay, we're going to be a great church. Five people show up. Only one commit. Man, we got four more interest meetings for this big vision. Fast forward, we start the church October 16, 2016. Uh, Over 100 people are here. Week number two, 40 people are here. 
it, it, literally, the church, these sections did not exist 16 months ago. The church was right here and take those last three rows out. Bam. And when I say 40, I mean adults and kids. <laughs> so the people that had committed and the five kids in the back, when all of our equipment was in a U-Haul and you didn't see road cases. Make hard a habit. 300 people last weekend for Easter. 1,400 people at the egg drop in less than a year and a half. You better start making hard a habit. You got, you got hard conversation to have? Have them. Why? Because you're, you're going to receive healing. There's someone you, you need to forgive? Forgive them. You're going to receive freedom. There's, you got to wake up earlier, wake up. You got to get off Netflix, get off of it. I was on my my lead team's butt Tuesday about getting off social media and learning to feed yourself spiritually. Get in this Bible. It is the word of God. It is bread for the soul. Apply it. You're going to lose a lot of friends at first. You're going to lose a lot of influence at first. But let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Now I check my Facebook messages. Now I check my textbook. Now my text messages and all this. And it's my same friends that said, peace out on this Jesus stuff, that they're not looking for advice. They want encouragement. How do you do that? I want to come up to the church. I know I'm in Florida. I know I'm in Georgia. But I need to check this out, what God's doing through your life. You better make hard a habit. Because it's going to pay off in the long run. Make it a habit. But Naya got in that thing, man. He's like, it's just me and you. It's hard to study long. I'm going to study long. It's hard to follow Jesus. I'm going to follow Jesus. It's hard, but make it a habit. It pays off. This point right here is, believe this, you are prepared for the pit. I'm closing us out here in four minutes. Come on up, um, Sarah. Um, this is a quick point, and I got another one, and we're going home. You are prepared for the pit. The verse told us that Benaiah had killed two champions of Moab. That's the NLT version. KJV tells us, King James Version, tells us that um, these were two, watch this, these were two sons of Ariel. Ariel was a patriarch in Moab. And Ariel means lion-like. You got to read your Bible, man. And don't just read it. Like, break down the words. He killed two lion-like men before he got to the lion. That's how faithful our God is. There is no pit that you can't overcome. And the chances are is that if you are breathing and if you are alive in here today, you've come out of some pits. You've come back from being knocked down. You've come back from some failures. 
And it's the past pits and it's the past failures that have prepared you to overcome the ones that are coming your way in the future. God is just that faithful. You're prepared for the pit. Last point. Kill the lion and level up. Kill the lion and level up. We said earlier that Benaiah is a type of Jesus. He's, he's a type of Jesus. And we have here in 1 Peter 5, 8, my other scripture. Peter tells the church to stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil, who prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for, for someone to devour. Benaiah is a type of Jesus. Satan being a spiritual lion, he, he, wants, he wants you to remain in trouble, in debt, and discontented. If you've achieved any amount of freedom or success or effectiveness in your life up until this point, he doesn't want to see you achieve any more. But as we, as we learned last Sunday, Jesus defeated a lion in a pit. And that pit was the grave. That pit was the tomb. For the Bible says that the power of Satan is sin, and the power of sin is death. So Jesus purposefully went on the cross, met Satan in the tomb, and left him there. Satan is already judged. He has no power over your life. He's done. Only deception. Only, only roar, roar. You notice that all roaring does is it, oh, there's a lion around. But if you have the spirit of Benaiah, a greater, the Holy Spirit, you look for the roar. Where is it? And you go right after it. You got to kill your lions. You got the power to. And some, some, for some of us, our lines are internal. Be it our attitudes, our lack of faith, our doubt, our worry, bad habits. God, God wants to work with you through those things. Get around a community, though. Get some encouragement. Get, uh, get some accountability. I call them destiny partners. Get some destiny partners, people who won't allow you to just exist. In your dysfunction. And some are external. They're outside. Some, you're in a great spot. And you're walking with God. But it's going to take three, five, seven, ten years to get there. Sometimes your lying is a process of time. And you just need to wake up every morning. Say, I'm going to kill it. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, those add up enough. Before you know it, you're there. You're there. Ben Naya. Ben, son, Yah, son of God. Hebrew, Ben Yah, son of God. He's a type. Let me go this way. This is how we read. Ben Yah, he's a son of God. He's a type of Jesus. And then if you break it down more, ben yaya, ben yaya. One who God builds up. 
kill the lion. God wants you to elevate above where you are today. God wants you to elevate further than you've ever elevated. God wants victory for your life. He wants freedom for your life. He has a destiny for your life. There's a calling on your life. There's greater on your life. Level up. Kill the lion and level up. Level up. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let's bow our heads, church. Let's pray. If you've never given your heart to Jesus, mm, death is not optional. You got to live. You were created by God, and God loves you. There's much more in store for you. Maybe you've been in church all of your life. Maybe you were raised in the church, but you don't have a personal relationship with Christ. Today, we want to make that available to you. Church, pray. Let's intercede for the saints and our future brothers and sisters. God loves you. If you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, this is your morning. This is your morning to level up. On the count of three, we're just going to ask you to raise your hand and raise it high. We just want to pray with you and encourage you. We want to see you free, filled, and moving forward. On the count of three, today you can be made new. One. Two, don't let that lion roar. Three, raise that hand high. Raise it high. Raise it high. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Do I have any more? Heads down. Raise your hands high. You can put those hands down. God bless you. You can go ahead and put those hands down. Come on, church. Let's celebrate. God is good. Jesus is good. Praise God. Hey, let's go ahead and pray. Pray this prayer of salvation. Father God, we love you. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for Jesus. Come into my heart. I make you my Lord. I make you my Savior. I turn from a life of sin, and I move into a life of abundance. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, church. Let's celebrate one more time. Let's give them honor and praise. I love you all so much. Have a great Sunday. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.